0: Hi, this is Shiva Raman from Johns Hopkins University. So, we're going to continue our survey of diffuse liver disease imaging on CT and continue talking a little bit about parenchymal liver disorders. Now, let's ta- start by talking about iron deposition. Now, as you all know, there are two forms of iron deposition that you can identify on imaging. There's primary hemochromatosis, which is an autosomal recessive trait that involves the liver, the pancreas, and the heart, and is often associated with both cirrhosis and bronze diabetes. Much more common than the primary form is the secondary form, so-called hemochromatosis. This tends to occur in patients who have multiple transfusions or an underlying hemolytic disorder, and notably, doesn't involve the pancreas or the heart, but involves only the liver and the spleen. Now, I think that all of us, during the course of our fellowships or our training, have been taught that iron deposition is something that you diagnose on MR. And I think that's partially true. I think MR is a great way to make this diagnosis. As you all know, you tend to get low signal in the involved organs on both T1 and T2-weighted images. The liver and the spleen tend to be lower in T1 signal compared to the muscle. And perhaps characteristically, you're going to get signal dropout on the in-phase gradient echo images. But that being said, I think it's important to remember that iron deposition is a diagnosis that we can make on CT as long as you think about it. If you see a liver that's far denser than the spleen and the paraspinal musculature, and by denser I mean 25, 30 Hounsfield units, you at least should think about the possibility of underlying iron deposition. Now, when you have a dense liver, most of the time you are dealing with iron deposition, but it's important to remember there are other entities on this differential diagnosis as well. Certain drugs, particularly amiodarone, which is a drug used to treat atrial fibrillation, as well as certain glycogen storage diseases can also give you a hyperdense liver. So here's a couple of examples that really illustrate this point well. In the example on the left, and the right, notice how both of these livers are markedly hyperdense, and they're denser comparing to both compared to both the spleen and the paraspinal musculature. Now, in the example on the left, this was a patient who had been chronically utilizing amiodarone for underlying atrial fibrillation, whereas in the example on the right, the patient had a chronic history of primary hemochromatosis. Now, you may not be able to make a specific diagnosis based on the CT imaging alone, but that being said, as long as you're able to point out that the patient does in fact have a hyperdense liver, at least you're going to be able to go back and look at the patient's electronic medical record and figure out what exactly was causing the patient's hyperdense liver. Now, much less common is the next disease in this category, and that's going to be sarcoid. Now, as you all know, I think we are all pretty comfortable with the diagnosis of sarcoid in the chest, right? You get extensive mediastinal and hyaluradenopathy. You're going to get perilymphatic nodules, mostly in a mid and upper lung zone distribution, nodules along the fissures, along the periphery of the lung. And over time, you're going to get an upper lobe predominant Pattern of pulmonary fibrosis. But I think it's much less well understood that sarcoid very commonly can involve the upper abdomen, and in particular, can involve both the liver and the spleen. Now, anytime I see multiple nodules in both the liver and the spleen, Even though you have to consider diagnoses such as lymphoma, metastatic disease, or infection, I also make a a concerted effort to always consider sarcoid in the differential diagnosis as well, particularly when I'm dealing with a patient who doesn't have a known underlying history of malignancy, doesn't have any symptoms, nothing that would suggest underlying lymphoma. Now, nodules in the liver liver and spleen in sarcoid tend to be relatively nonspecific, but are often associated with diffuse hepatomegaly and splenomegaly, and these nodules tend to be in somewhat of a periportal distribution. In addition, often patients with sarcoid in the upper abdomen will have extensive upper abdominal lymphadenopathy that tends to be in somewhat of a-